Good morning, Parkview. Blessings to you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's wonderful to be worshiping with you. And uh, special congratulations to the graduates of, uh, of this weekend. So such a wonderful faithfulness of the Lord to you over these years. We love our college students here at Parkview Church. And so uh, just, a, just a warm celebration with you. We're cheering you on as the Lord um, moves you out into his kingdom work that he's called you to. And so uh, let's continue to worship Jesus as we open our Bibles. That's what we're doing every time we open the Bible here at Parkview. We believe uh, God speaks to us through his word, and that's how we can hear about Jesus. And we're going to be looking, uh, as mentioned before, the story of Thomas in uh, John chapter 20. We're continuing our series called Resurrection Life, thinking about how everyday life is shaped by the resurrection of Jesus. And um, if we're honest, most all of us in this room have probably gone through a Thomas-like moment in our life of significant doubt. And so today we're just wondering together, we're exploring together uh, this very simple question, how can we, how can we believe in Jesus when we can't see Jesus? How can we believe in Jesus when we can't see Jesus? And I think, especially if you're here and you do not identify as a Christian, I wonder if one of the reasons is because it feels like there's no kind of tangible proof, you know, if Jesus is real, why isn't he here? Why can't we see him? And I'm really glad that you're here because uh, no matter your doubts or your skepticism or your questions, what I hope is that you can relate to the story of Thomas if you're here and you've not yet embraced Jesus by faith. We currently live in a time in contemporary Western culture uh, where our faith can so oftentimes feel fragile. We are confronted by doubt and skepticism um, at every angle, it feels like. Sometimes it feels like having faith is like a ship on a stormy sea. It doesn't seem to be real deep anchor amidst all of the questions and doubts and skepticism that is thrown at us through social media, online, blogs, whatever it may be, uh, movies, stories, television, all these different things, they seem to kind of confront us with this sense of, is this whole faith thing real? Is this whole Jesus thing verifiable? Is it trustworthy? Can we actually believe in a Jesus we cannot see? And especially if you're a young uh, man or woman here, uh, maybe you're in high school or you're in college, and you right now are trying to learn for yourself what is it that you believe. And you probably are being confronted with certain questions and doubts that you are having as you explore, what is it that I truly believe? And I hope what you see here is the Bible, Jesus is not afraid of doubt. And what I hope is as we move forward in this year of renewal at Parkview Church, that Parkview becomes a place where people with significant doubts and questions and skepticism toward the Christian faith, they can come here to feel a place of welcome and embrace as they explore their faith. I'm not saying that we uh, fumble or, uh, you know, uh, struggle with, with, with our convictions that we have from God's Word. I'm just saying we create an environment where those who do have questions, they can come here and they can hear honest answers to honest questions. That's why the story of Thomas is so helpful. Uh, because in it, Jesus comes to us and helps move us from a place of doubt and skepticism and unbelief, and he moves us to the place of belief and trust and faith in him. 
So what I'm hoping is this. We're going to go through the story. Uh, we're going to kind of identify a few things here and there through the story. And at the very end, what I'm hoping to do is this. I want this sermon. Uh, I th- I'm taking this from Thomas, Thomas Hoke, wonderful, amazing Pastor Thomas Hoke. I think a couple weeks ago in his sermon, he kind of at the front, he's like, this sermon is for the following people. And he kind of named a few different people. So I'm hoping this sermon is helpful for three types of people. Number one is uh, friends or family here who are currently trying to help a loved one through a season of doubt. Maybe you are a parent and your kid continues to ask certain questions about the Christian faith and you're wondering, what resources do I have to help my beloved daughter or son work through this season of question and doubt? Second, uh, Christians uh, here right now in this room who are currently in a season of doubt. You yourself are starting to wonder, is this whole Jesus thing worth it? Is this actually real? And how do I move forward towards faith? Third is people here right now, as I mentioned before, who do not identify as Christians. I'm so glad that you're here. And you have serious, serious doubts about this whole Christianity thing. And if so, I'm so glad that you're, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that you would hear about Jesus and that your heart would be compelled toward faith and that you would know what's the next step that you could take toward Jesus. Okay, wonderful. Well, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to read the text out loud. And so let's all listen intently to God speaking to us. Parkview Church, hear now God's word for us, John 20, starting in verse 24. Now Thomas, one of the 12, called the twin, He was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again. And Thomas was with them. And although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. And put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And then verse 31, these things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This is God's word. It is good for us. It is given to us in love. If you're willing, please pray with me. Father, we now come before your word, and we humbly ask that you would speak Jesus to our hearts. By your Holy Spirit's power, help us believe in Jesus, your son. Help us receive him, to know him, to embrace him, to commit him. Romans 10 17. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing through the word of Christ. 
Father, that's a promise in your word. Would you please, would you please work, work that word into our hearts by the Spirit's power, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. When everything that's right feels wrong and all of my belief feels gone and the darkness in my heart is so strong, can you reach me here in the silence, singing these broken songs, looking for the light for so long, but the pain goes on and on and on? Can you reach me here in the silence? Jesus, it feels like the world's in pieces. I'm sure you've got your reasons, but I have my doubts. Jesus, I have my doubts. These honest, honest lyrics are written by John Foreman, the singer-songwriter from Switchfoot, and he expresses so much of what many of us experience. In this song, in these lyrics, we hear something so fundamental to the human condition. When it comes to believing in a Jesus we cannot see, he may have reasons. I've got my doubts. Jesus, I have my doubts. So how does Jesus respond to us when we express our doubts so honestly like this? When we cannot see him, how is it that we can believe in him? That's the main question I want to explore together in John 20. How can we believe in a Jesus we cannot see? Well, let's discover the answer to this question as we examine the story of Thomas here in John 20. Look down with me at verse 24. Now, Thomas, one of the twelves called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. Maybe his Text notifications weren't on his group chat with the disciples or whatever, but he was not there. He did not see Jesus. So the other disciples who were all there, when Jesus first appeared to them, these disciples, they try to convince Thomas. They tell him, right, hey, we've seen the Lord, implying Thomas, we've seen him, we believe, and so you should believe. And so here is Thomas, like some of us here today, surrounded by a faith community, surrounded by friends and people he respects who are people of faith, people who believe in Jesus, telling him, we've seen the Lord. We believe, Thomas. Hint, hint, you should believe as well. But Thomas remains unconvinced. And I wonder if some of us here still remain unconvinced, though you have friends and family in your faith community here at Parkview Church telling you you should believe. But Thomas clings to his doubt, look down at verse 24. He says, unless I see in the hands of Jesus the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. How can I believe in a Jesus I cannot see? Jesus, I have my doubts. Maybe the same could be said about you today. Do you have doubts? Are you struggling to believe in a Jesus you cannot see? Maybe like Thomas, you want evidence. You want a tangible sign. You want something physical that you can see, that you can touch. Unless I see him, I will not believe. Unless I see him. The John Foreman song I mentioned earlier it moves on, and I think it captures so much of what Thomas must be feeling and experiencing in this moment as he is 
saying, I, I got to see Jesus, I want to believe in him. And I wonder if some of us would resonate with these lyrics as well. It says, Jesus, are you there? Can you hear me? Do you care? Are you near me? Because I'm scared and I'm weary. Are you there? When everything feels wrong and all my belief is gone and all the darkness in my heart is so strong, Jesus, I've got my doubts. Unless I see him, I will not believe. And so from these first two verses, we are confronted with something that I think presents a one compelling reason for the truthfulness of Christianity. It's this, is that the Bible understands and takes very seriously the experience that you and I go through of doubt and confusion. In fact, one reason Christianity is so believable is because, I think, of the honesty that it presents of the human experience of doubt. It refuses to sugarcoat the reality of how challenging it can, believe, it can be to believe in a God you cannot see and trust in his truth in the midst of a world shattered and fractured by brokenness and suffering. That's why, by the way, so many psalms are filled with language of, God, where are you? God, are you there? How long, oh Lord? Lord, will you come? Will you appear? Will you show up and do something about this pain in my life? I have my doubts. Simply put, Jesus can handle right now. Do you know this about Jesus? That he can handle your deepest questions. He is not afraid of your skepticism. He is not found reeling when you come to him yet again, confronted with the weariness of how difficult it is for you to believe. Your doubts, Parkview Church, and maybe this is something the Lord just wants to convince you of this morning. Your doubts do not disqualify you from the Lord Jesus Christ, from his reach, from his mercy. In fact, in fact, what we're about to see is your doubts draw Jesus toward you. He finds them irresistible. Look down with me at verse 26. I'm not making this up. Eight days later, the disciples are inside again, and Thomas is with them. And although the doors are locked, since the disciples are fearing they might get captured, Jesus comes and stands among them and says to you, shame on you, Thomas, for not believing in me. No, Jesus comes in, and his first words out of his mouth is, peace be with you. Because our Lord Jesus Christ understands that what happens with doubt, it also comes with significant anxiety, especially if you're someone in the Christian community who is struggling with doubt, as your friends seem to just be convinced and believe in Jesus, you start having these festering fears in your heart that maybe this isn't for me. Maybe I'm not worthy of this Jesus. And like Thomas, you have your doubts. And what Jesus Christ knows first and foremost is that you don't need fundamentally proof or an apologetic answer first and foremost. What you need is peace. You need the presence of Jesus Christ given to you where he declares to you peace, meaning shalom, meaning God's life-giving presence is now with you. And he continues saying to Thomas, Thomas who's not convinced, Thomas, whose mind is filled with doubt, Thomas, whose heart is unwilling to believe, 
saying, unless I see, I will not believe. This Thomas, this Thomas, Jesus draws near to him in his doubt and says, verse 27, put your finger here, Thomas, see my hands and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. You see, Jesus first has compassion on Thomas's struggle with doubt, but then he confronts him in his doubt and provides for him the evidence he needs. Jesus reveals himself to Thomas and calls him, commands him to believe. Stop your doubting. Move from doubt and unbelief, Thomas. Leave that behind. It's now time to come to faith and trust in me. How does Thomas respond? He says one of the most wonderful statements in all of Scripture. He looks at the resurrected Lord Jesus And he says, my Lord and my God, my Lord and my God. And here we see the true nature, part view, of what faith actually is. It is a personal embracing, a personal trusting of Jesus Christ in response to his revelation of himself. Jesus reveals himself, and as Jesus reveals himself, here are my hands, here's my side, see me. The revelation of Jesus draws out faith in Thomas's heart to say, my Lord, my God. Notice how true belief is not fundamentally assenting to facts, but it is worshiping a person. And this is so important for us to clarify, especially if you're here and you're not yet a Christian. What we are calling you to here at Parkview Church, what Scripture calls you to, what Jesus himself calls you to, is not to add on to your life something called faith. And it is relegated to one portion of the already many things that you're doing in your life. Rather, what the Bible presses upon you, what the Lord Jesus himself presses upon you, is true belief in him, which actually is worship of coming to him and saying, my Lord and my God, you are numero uno from this point forward. And I now give up allegiance to myself and my plans and the direction of my life. And I now jump into what Christ is doing in this world as Lord and God of the universe. Faith is about worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ. He reveals himself to Thomas Thomas sees, Thomas believes. But now we have to ask the question that I hope all of us are wondering. And it goes right back to the main question that we have been wrestling with, which is this. It's nice, isn't it? That Thomas says, unless I see, I won't believe. And then Jesus, Shazam, shows up in his resurrected body and says, here I am. And so Thomas, with his eyeballs, sees a real Jesus and therefore has faith. But guess what, Wade? I can't see Jesus. We can't all hop on a plane to Jerusalem or wherever and go find Jesus of Nazareth raised from death, walking around. We cannot see Jesus. So how can we believe in a Jesus we cannot see? I have my doubts. Look with me at verse 29. Jesus understands all of this, Parkview Church. He understands all of what you're asking. Jesus says to Thomas, you have believed because you have seen. But get this. Blessed, meaning those who receive God's favor. Blessed, 
God's acceptance. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. So from verse 29, we see Jesus expects that there will be a time where unlike Thomas, people cannot see him with their eyeballs. But yet, they will believe in him. They will come to him and say, my Lord and my God. But how? How? Do you ever wonder? How? How is it that we in the 21st century, who cannot see Jesus with our eyeballs, how can we still believe in him? Well, in light of verse 29, look down with me at verse 31. Here, John, the author, is about to explain the, the whole purpose of his gospel biography of Jesus. John, a disciple who had seen Jesus and believed in Jesus, John says this, verse 31, these are written, these meaning these stories about people like Thomas or about Mary or about Peter or go on and on in the different gospels, these stories are written, why? So that you may believe, you, what John means here is not you who can see, he's talking about you Christians in the first century, because at this point, Jesus had ascended now. He's no longer on earth. You can believe. How? By looking at the things that are written. You can believe in Christ, the Son of God, and have life in his name. If I had a friend named Frank who doubted that the Grand Canyon existed, how could it be? Say, say he couldn't you know, visit it. He didn't have the ability to visit it for whatever reason. He can't actually go and see it. What would, what would it take for someone like Frank to believe? I guess now that we live in the 21st century, just show him a picture on the iPhone and say, look, come on, Frank, here it is. But, okay, what it would take probably is this. He would have to trust someone like me and hundreds of other people who have been to the Grand Canyon, have seen the glory and beauty of the Grand Canyon, and then come back to tell Frank of what it's like. He would have to fundamentally trust me that I am not a weirdo, crazy person making up this thing called Grand Canyon, but I've actually seen something real, and I've come back to tell Frank because here's the deal, we believe something without seeing it based on hearing reliable eyewitness testimony. Someone trustworthy must see something and come back to explain it to us. What, what am I getting at? I, I'm, I'm saying this. In John 20, what we are presented with is the trustworthy reliability of the eyewitness testimony of the New Testament disciples, of those authors who saw Jesus and wrote about what they saw. Okay, here's what I mean, okay? Pay attention here. In the first century, here's, what, here's what, how's how it worked, okay? People saw Jesus. People believed in Jesus. Then people wrote down what they saw and believed about Jesus. Why? Verse 31, what John's saying is so that, these are written so you might believe, so that we, 21st century, can pick up, so to speak, what they wrote down, a.k.a. the Bible, that we could read about Jesus and believe as they believed. Paul talks about this in Romans 10, where he says this, faith, faith or belief in Jesus comes by hearing or reading, and hearing through the word of Christ. 
Romans 10, 17. Basically, Romans 10, 10, 17 is a summary of the Thomas story filtered through verse 31 in the Gospel of John. Okay, Romans 10, again, says, Faith in Jesus comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. The reliable, trustworthy word of Christ. So think of it this way. Okay, in the first century, faith, like Thomas, people had faith, it comes through eyeballs, seeing the resurrected Jesus. But in every century afterward, faith comes through eardrums. We have moved, since the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus Christ, we have moved from a time of eyeball faith to eardrum faith. Faith comes from hearing, hearing through the word of Christ, the reliable eyewitness testimony of the first century apostles who wrote down what they saw about Jesus. And just think of it real quick. Those of you here, if we all had a huge line here and we all got to stand up here and just give a one minute, one to two minute little testimony or story of how we became Christians, they're going to, those stories are going to be so wonderfully different. It's just going to be so exciting. But one thing would remain. One fact would remain. And it is this, either what we would share in some way, we had heard about Jesus or read about Jesus in the Bible and we were compelled by him to believe in him, or we heard about Jesus from a family member, a friend at church in our kids ministry director or wherever it is, and we heard about Jesus and therefore believed in him. Faith comes through eardrums <laughs> as we hear the word of Christ because that is how Jesus reveals himself to us. Now, we, we finally come to the answer of the question. How can we believe in a Jesus we can't see? It's by hearing his trustworthy word in the Bible. Jesus, right? Remember how the, the pattern with Thomas. When he comes, he reveals himself to Thomas. Here I am. Believe. Do not disbelieve, but believe. How does Jesus now say, here I am to us? The testimony of Scripture. The trustworthy word of God where Jesus reveals himself to us and we see and we hear, we hear that Jesus is true and trustworthy. In other words, this is what I'm trying to get at here for us today as a church. Through John 20, our living Lord Jesus right now is saying this. If we're going to be a church, and I surely hope we want to be a church that's a Jesus-believing, Jesus-treasuring, Jesus-singing, Jesus-proclaiming, Jesus-talking church, we must simultaneously be a Bible-believing, Bible-treasuring, Bible-preaching, Bible-talking, Bible-singing, Bible-loving church for the glory of God. The two rise and fall together. Blessed are those, Jesus said, who can't see but who believe. Faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So how does this shape our life together? Well, as I mentioned before at the beginning, I want to focus on three different people here this morning. First, I want to think through with those of you who are currently walking through with a loved one in your life, someone who's going through doubts or asking questions about the Christian faith or has skepticism, you love them, your heart breaks for them, you want what is best for them in Jesus, what's the way forward? How does John 20, the story of Thomas in verse 31, that kind of clinching statement from John, how does it help you and me help our friends or family members as they walk through doubt? Well, first, is, it's very simple, it's this. We learn from our Lord Jesus that we must become a people that develop a culture of hospitality and welcome 
towards people who have doubts. If you are a parent of a student especially who is currently grappling with difficult questions pertaining to the Christian faith and the believability of this whole Jesus thing, there's no need. Parent, there's no need to freak out. There's no need. Just welcome their questions. Open the dialogue with them to hear them. Listen intently. Follow up with further clarification. I hear you saying this. Is that right? Look them in the eye. Look your beloved daughter or your beloved son in the eye and tell them, I respect your questions and I love you. It doesn't mean that you yourself have to believe kind of where they're going. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying, give them space to ask questions. As the Lord Jesus allowed Thomas to have his doubt. Remember that Jesus is the friend of doubters. In John 20, Jesus comes to Thomas, not with arms folded with a scold. What does he say? His arms must have been open, receiving, right? Come, investigate, explore. Here my hands, look. Arms open wide. That's the posture we must have. Trust that Jesus is up to something in your loved one that maybe you can't see right now. Second, for those of us who want to be a people of love, for those in, uh, struggling with doubt, okay, I, I want to speak specifically to leaders here in this church, elders, pastors, staff members, community group leaders. I mean, I guess even parents are lobbed into here too because in one sense, Leadership is spiritual influence, but we have to create, continue to create a culture of Bible reading, Bible hearing, Bible preaching at every level of our church life. Why? Because faith comes, faith in Jesus comes through, we just saw that, right? Faith in Jesus comes through hearing, hearing through the word of Christ, through the word of God. Because it's through the hearing and reading of the Bible in its many forms, whether it's the Bible read out loud over coffee with a skeptical neighbor, or discuss in a community group with people in your community group who keep asking difficult questions, or when it's preached every Sunday from the pulpit, or talked about in a dorm room with a skeptical roommate, or when the Bible's discussed while driving your kids to school, or prayed over with kids around the dining table. It's through the Bible. It's through the Bible that people hear about Jesus and understand Jesus and take their doubts and encounter Jesus and allow Jesus to work on their hearts over time. We have, as a church, one strategy for mission. And it is the prayerful speaking or proclamation or hearing of the word of Christ. That's all we've got. And it is glorious. And the Lord's word never fails. And we can rely on his word to do his work in our community. So if you have skeptical neighbors or skeptical family members or friends, whatever it is, let's be a Bible people and let's, let's read the Bible with the people in our lives that doubt because faith comes by hearing. People gain faith as they encounter Jesus in his word. Second, to Christians here who are currently working through a season of doubt, do you recognize right now how loved you are by Jesus? How loved you are by Jesus? You're not a loser. You're not a weirdo. The Lord Jesus Christ knows your doubts. 
and he comes to you. But remember how he comes to you, what we've just learned. He comes to you through the word of God. And so here's my practical suggestion. If you're currently right now, you, are, you just feel threatened by doubt. You just feel suffocated by it. I guess I would have two practical suggestions. Either one, keep opening up your word. Keep opening up the Bible every morning. Maybe it's a psalm. Maybe it's a gospel to see right there, there's Jesus. Maybe just, just keep it. But, but here's the deal, right? When we're going through seasons of doubt, let's, let's be honest here. This is like the last thing we want to do. So what I would encourage you to do is to take a step of courage and tell a friend the doubts you're having, a Christian friend, and say, friend, I'm really struggling. And here's, here's what I've been thinking. Can you meet with me once a week for coffee on Saturday mornings at 8 a.m.? And can we just start reading through the Gospel of John together? And can you just pray for me? I'm not, this is not me giving up my faith, but this is me thinking, man, I'm struggling big time. Can you please help me? Talk to a friend today. Or if you, no, I don't feel like I don't have a friend like that. Then talk to me or a pastor or someone on staff, and we can help connect you to someone who would love to work this through with you. Faith comes by hearing, hearing through the word of Christ. These things are written down so that you might believe, verse 31 says, that you might believe in Christ. Third, and finally, to those who do not identify as a Christian, you have your doubts. And maybe at the end of this sermon, you're like, meh, still got my doubts. That's okay. That's fine. This, this takes so much time. So often it takes a lot of time, lots of patience, thinking things at the deepest level over and over again. That's all right. Here at Parkview Church, we're not in a rush to shove, to shove you into the kingdom of God. We're not in a rush. We've got time here. We're going to pray you, pray for you and love you. But here's my one suggestion. It's actually no different than what I just said to the Christian. Because there's one means by which we understand and get to know Jesus. It's through his word. And it's through the people of this word, Christians, who help explain what this means, what that means, and man, I don't understand what, and that's fine. You're gonna have so many questions. That's fine. That's great. So my one encouragement to you is either personally, if you have time and a willingness, is to begin reading to the Gospel of John. Start with John chapter one. Read a little section, and just ask God before you read. If this is real, just help me, help me see it. Help me understand it. I still think the best thing to do, though, is to find a friend who can read God's word with you. We have community groups if you're here and you're still struggling with doubt. And we have community groups that can plug you. We have so many different ways. But it's got to be opening God's word together in the context of relationship over a long period of time. So those who have been struggling with doubt, those who have been confused, that they continue to have encounter after encounter with Jesus. Faith, Parkview Church, Faith, belief. How is it that we believe in a Jesus we cannot see? These things of, of the Thomas story, all these things are written down so that you might believe. Faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you right now, if this is true, faith comes by hearing, hearing through the word of Christ. Here we are. We're asking by the Holy Spirit that you would take this truth Plant it deep in us right now, those of us struggling with doubt, Lord, that we could have a Thomas moment, my Lord and my God, 
that you would draw faith out of us as you reveal yourself to us through your word. Jesus, you say, blessed are those who cannot see but believe, Lord. I think of 1 Peter 1.8. Though you do not see him, you love him. Though you cannot see him right now, you believe in him and rejoice with joy. It's inexpressible and full of glory. And so Holy Spirit, work that into us now, we pray for the glory of Christ. Amen.